Good morning. It's good to see you today. Uh, we have a good crowd, and uh, we want to say if you're visiting with us, we're certainly glad that you're here. We hope that you find yourself comfortable this morning, that uh, you've had a warm welcome, and that you are, as it was prayed in the prayer this morning, built up and drawn closer to God. As we've been announcing, we've been following a series of studies, and uh, March, the theme is things surrounding the authority of Christ leading toward uh, him being our Lord and also us as his subjects, what is his will for us? And so uh, we saw it appropriate to talk today about the subject of authority. There we go. Authority is something that many people reject. Uh, most people are blessed by authority. Um, we don't live in a place that is oppressive, not in the way we think it might be. Uh, the oppression that we might face from the authorities that exist within our country uh, is very minimal, especially when you consider the world's history, and not only the world's history, but the world's geography as well. And we might ask the question, well, why does someone have to rule over us? Why do we have hierarchy? Why do we, why do we have ruling authorities? Why do we have to be subject to someone? Why do we have to submit to someone? And that's because God instituted authority, and he instituted authority for our good. And as we talk about authority, I want to first look at some things that we see in Matthew chapter 21, a conversation that Jesus had with the chief priests and the elders to introduce this idea. Matthew 21, 23 through 27, it says, Now when he came into the temple, that's Jesus, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? But Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. Where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Then why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, We do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, some might look at this and think Jesus was dodging their question. That's not at all what he was doing. He was actually exposing them. Because they weren't asking him, by what authority are you doing these things? Because they actually cared. They were trying to trap Jesus. And when Jesus asked them a simple question about the baptism of John, he showed that they were really hypocrites. They didn't really have a solid belief about authority. They actually would just ebb and flow like water being blown around in the wind. They can't even give an answer. <laughs> we don't know. Do you suppose they really didn't have a belief about John's baptism? They just knew they were trapped. But you know, as... as, as Evil as their intention was, I want you to know that their questions are not without significance. Because these are two questions that we must ask. By what authority are we doing these things and who gave us this authority? You know, that's, that's been from the very foundation of the world. Since Adam and Eve were created, God, as the authority, gave them commands, gave them privileges, if you will. And sometimes the word authority is translated privilege uh, because Without God's authority being delegated to us or him allowing us to do certain things, we have no right. We have no privilege. 
And as we talk about authority this morning, I want to think about Jesus' authority, but I also want to think about authority in general. And what does authority actually mean? Well, it means legal power or a right. Notice the word right or to command or to act as the authority of a prince over subjects and of parents over children, power, rule, or sway. Now, obviously there's a lot of different definitions, but as we're talking about authority this morning, our focus is really going to be on this right here, the authority of a prince over subjects. Because as we talk about a prince, what we're talking about is someone who has been given authority to rule over people. And as I said earlier, all authority ultimately comes from God. There's no authority that exists. No one can take authority. Authority is given, it's handed down by God himself. Notice Romans 13 verse 1 where it says, Let every soul or person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Now don't be confused thinking that what he's saying here is that every person who's ever been in authority was delegated, or not delegated, but elected by God himself. In other words, God chose every individual who's ever ruled. That's not his point. His point is that every authority that exists has been appointed by God. It has come out from God because God is the giver of authority. As I said, no one can take authority. It must be received from God because his authority reigns over all other authorities. And so as we looked at the Great Commission, uh, I made a statement that one of the most important uh, things, declarations, if you will, that Jesus made in that that's often overlooked is how he starts that commission by saying this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What does that mean? All authority in heaven and on earth, Jesus said, has been given to me. What authority did Jesus have? Let's ask a different question. What authority did Jesus not have? If you got all authority, that's all, right? So what does that mean? It means that God, notice he uses the phrase, has been given to me. Who gave it to him? The Father did. To do what? To reign to rule as a prince, as a ruler, as king over his kingdom. And Jesus, having ultimate authority, had authority over everything and has authority today over everything that exists. All things were created by him and for him. And he has the preeminence over everything, over every ruler, over every kingdom, over the stars and the heavens, over the earth, and over physics itself, over every single thing, Jesus has authority and he has power, and no one can take it away from him because it was given to him by God. His authority is different than the authority that God often bestows on men, and it's important we understand the authority of Jesus Christ because that authority affects every one of our lives, whether we reject it or we submit to it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 and so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. What, how, what, what was the manner that Jesus taught that caused these people to be astonished? How was the way that he taught different from how the people taught? Well, the people and how we would teach, how we often do teach, is we say, here's what the Bible says, right? That's what we do. Here's what the Bible says. Or we might say, thus says the Lord. We don't actually say that, but that's what the prophets always said. Thus says the Lord. Jesus didn't do that. You know what Jesus said? I say unto you. That was very different, right? 
And if we got up in the pulpit and we said, oh, you've read John 12, 48, but I say unto you, someone go, whoa, you need to sit down because you can't do that. You can't do that. Well, why could Jesus do that? Because he had that authority. He had that knowledge. He had that wisdom. It wasn't being turned on and off like a light switch. He possessed all wisdom and all knowledge his entire life. He was full of the Holy Spirit and God gave him what he should speak as we saw in our reading, which we'll get to in a little bit. But as Jesus said this, I say unto you, they were recognizing this man is speaking with power, with authority. And they were astonished by that. And this is what gave them the question, uh, uh, motivated them or provoked them to ask that question, by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you that authority? So I want to go back to John for a moment. They, Jesus asked them a question about John's authority. You know what John tells us? John the Apostle tells us about John the Baptist. He says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Isn't that interesting? A man sent from God. Now, did John come from heaven like Jesus did? What does he mean he was sent from God? It means he was sent by God to do something. He was a messenger, or we might actually use the term spokesman for God. Now, what did it mean that he was sent by God? It meant that his message was binding, that it had authority attached to it. Notice, Jesus asked them that question about the baptism of John. Where's it from? From heaven or from men? What's he asking about? Authority. Where did, where did John's authority come from? Was it from heaven or did it come from man? Luke chapter 7, 29 gives us a little bit of narrative about how they responded to John's baptism and why Jesus would have said to them if they'd have said from heaven, why did you not believe him? Because they did not believe him. Notice Luke 7, 29. And when all the people heard him, that's John, even the tax collectors, tax collectors, justified God having been baptized with the baptism of John but the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves not having been baptized by him as Luke is inspired by the Holy Spirit to record to us the narrative here's the words that he says they rejected not John but they rejected the will of God against themselves and in doing so you know what they did they said, God is not just. You say, what? Notice what it says. And when the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God by obeying John. What does that mean? It means they received God as their authority. They accepted God as their authority. In their acts, they showed that God was their authority. They submitted to him. And in doing so, they said, God is just. God is the ruler. We are submitting to God. We are showing that we approve. And these other men did not. In fact, they rejected the will of God for themselves. Well, how do we know it was the will of God? I'll tell you why. Because John, John was sent by God. And how do we know that? How do you know if somebody's sent by God? Have you ever heard anybody say, I've been sent by God or I'm a messenger of God? I have. One time we were in Sarah, Oklahoma, and we met a guy who came into the bathroom and told us he was the son of God. He said, I am the son. He said believe on the son of God. I said, I do. He said, I am the son of God. I said, you are not the son of God. We had a biblical discussion, but he was going around telling everybody that. I am the son of God. Well, how do you know he's not the son of God? How do you know John was sent by God? How do we know if someone has authority? I think that's a fair question. Well, in John's case, he was prophesied about in Malachi. Not only that, Jesus approved of John. Well, then we got to ask the question, well, how do we know Jesus was sent by God? Let's back up for a minute. 
Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us, notice, by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. What the Hebrew writer is doing is he, is he is talking to us about the various ways that God has communicated in different eras of time. And if you go back all the way to Genesis, you see God directly speaking with Adam. You see in some instances where God speaks to Cain. Sometimes God sends an angel to communicate his message or will to people. Other times God inspires people through the Holy Spirit. In the case of prophets, which we're going to notice in just a moment, God communicated with prophets in various ways as well. But I want you to notice that that is juxtaposed with how he speaks with us today he doesn't speak in those ways today God doesn't directly speak to us now he doesn't speak to us through visions and dreams he doesn't send angels to men to communicate his will he speaks to us exclusively through his son so does that mean Jesus talks to us yes you say, oh, okay, you lost me no, he talks to us, he speaks to us he tells us God's will the question is how. And what I want to do first is I want to notice that no one who's ever spoke on the behalf of God was speaking on the behalf of God without being sent by God. Because that's a very important concept we're going to see, even relating to Jesus, of being sent by the Father. Notice Matthew 23, 37. This is Jesus speaking here when he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. Do you notice that there's a commonality here? The prophets and those who are sent. Sent by who? Sent by God with a message from God, an authoritative message. When God said to them, go and say this, when they went and spoke that, when people received it or they rejected it, they didn't receive or reject the prophet, they received or rejected the authority of God. It was an authoritative message because they were sent by God. And Jesus says, not only did you reject them, you killed them. You stoned them, and he said, I wanted to take you and protect you just like a hen would gather her chicks under her wings. He said, but you are not willing. Second Peter chapter 1.20 says this about the prophets and prophecy. He says, knowing this first, that no prophecy, now notice, of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So when the prophets were speaking authoritative messages from God, it wasn't just when they were speaking, but also when they were writing and recording. As these men wrote down what we have as the Old Testament, what it was was they were not looking and listening and going, hmm, I wonder what God's trying to say, and then writing down what they thought or interpreted that God was trying to say. That's what he means. It's not of any private interpretation. These men that wrote the Scripture weren't interpreting what God said. They were just saying what God told them to say. They were speaking as they were, notice, moved. What does that mean, they were moved? It means they were driven by a force of the Holy Spirit. They were being moved by the Holy Spirit. Their actions were being directed by God himself through the Holy Spirit. And it was authoritative. Acts 7, 51, we see the same connection in Stephen's sermon, which Brother Justin talked to us about a couple weeks ago, where Stephen told them that day, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. I want you to know that is strong language. It's not dirty language. But that is strong language. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did. So do ye. I want to ask you a question. How would a person resist the Holy Ghost? We see that in the New Testament a few times. Don't quench the Spirit. Don't resist the Spirit. How do you resist the Holy Ghost? 
Well, he wasn't saying God's trying to inspire you and you're resisting that. There was something else they were doing. Notice what he continued to say. Which of the prophets have your fathers not persecuted? What is this? It's the evidence of this. You resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they've slain them which showed before the coming of the just one of whom you have now been the betrayers and murders. Now listen, who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. How did they resist the Holy Ghost? Several ways. Number one, they rejected the prophets and they killed the prophets. Number two, they received the law by the direction of God. And what did they do with it? They didn't keep it. They didn't keep it. And what did he say? You rejected Moses? You rejected the prophets? No, he says you've resisted the Holy Ghost. You've resisted God. Because these men had authority. These prophets had authority. Moses had authority. And you've denied them of that authority. Numbers chapter 12 and verse 6. All right, we're moving quickly. We're going to slow down for a minute. He said, hear now my words. This is God speaking. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and I will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so who is faithful in all mine house. With him I will speak mouth to mouth. Now notice, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore were you, wherefore were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Now understand his logic here. He's saying, you need to understand I've elevated Moses above the prophets. He said, to the prophets I've spoken in visions and dreams. I've spoke to them in dark speeches. What does that mean? It means in obscure sayings. Things that are not clear. They're not clear. But I've spoken to Moses clearly. I've spoken to him mouth to mouth, not through a vision or dream. In fact, I've spoken to him, notice, apparently. And because I've spoken to Moses apparently and mouth to mouth, why were you not then afraid to speak against him? What's his point? You're, you're speaking against Moses for telling you things you don't want to hear. And who told Moses to say those things? Who gave Moses his authority? It was God. Now, does that make us feel strong feelings about the authority and the place that God gave Moses? It ought to. And as Brother Nathan talked to us last week about, Moses' law is no longer an authority. But it still doesn't do away with the fact that when Moses was an authority, he had such a strong authority, God said, you should be afraid to speak against Moses. But I'll tell you, Moses, as great as he was, was just a man. He was just a man. But I want you to notice how the law was to be treated because of the authority attached to it. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of our fathers is giving you. Now, I want you to notice verse 2. You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. When God gave the law to Moses and Moses gave it to the people, here's what he said. You don't add from it, and you don't take, it away, take away from it. Now, what if someone did that? What if they decided they didn't like something in Moses' law? They said, we're going to take that away. Question, by what authority would you do that? And who gave you that authority? What if someone said, well, I think there needs to be another commandment, an additional commandment to Moses' law. By what authority would you do that, and who gave you that authority? See, once it was given, you couldn't change it. It was given by God. It was ratified by God with the blood of bulls and goats. That law was binding, and no one had the authority 
to take away from it or add to it. And who is this? It's Moses. Deuteronomy 18 and 18. Notice, as God is prophesying regarding Moses, he also talks about another prophet which the Lord God would raise among the people. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee, talking to Moses, and will put my words in his mouth, and he will speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. I want you to notice that this prophet that was going to be raised, that was like unto Moses, notice God said, I'm going to put my words in his mouth. He will speak unto them all that I shall command him. Hold on to that. Because we're going to see that fulfilled. I'm going to put my words in his mouth. What's that mean? I'm going to move him to speak. And he's going to say everything that I command him. Notice the second part of this. And whosoever will not listen. That's what the word hearken means. Whoever will not listen to my words. Which he shall speak in my name. I will require it of him. Who's this talking about? Some people say well this is about Joseph Smith. Some say it's about Muhammad. Some people say well it was about one of the other prophets. Well. You're going to have a difficult time with that. Difficult time. This would be a prophet like Moses. It was a spokesman for God. It was someone, but I want you to notice this as well. In my name. What does that mean in my name? I'm going to send him in my name. Does that mean he's going to walk around and say my name? No, it means by my authority and on my behalf. We, we, we see that a lot of times with, with uh, what we call ambassadors. We may have uh, someone who comes over from another country to speak to one of our leaders, and oftentimes it's not the leader of that country, it's someone that they have delegated to be the ambassador for them, and they're coming in the name of the king, the name of the leader. As Jesus walked, and he taught, and he, and he spoke, how did he speak? Because I tell you, he's the fulfillment of this. Notice Jesus even connects that with himself by using the same language in John 12 from our reading this morning. Notice he said, I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. And whatsoever, there, uh, whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Notice this, Jesus was sent by God. You see that? Just as we've seen every time, sent by God. That's what he says. The Father sent me to do what? He said, I haven't spoken to myself. You ever thought about that? About the authority that Jesus was given? Was Jesus' authority that God gave him when he gave him all power and all authority, did he have a separate will than the Father did? See, that's how we look at authority sometimes. Well, somebody gives me authority, well, then I'm going to do what I want because I've got authority, right? Is that how Jesus' authority worked? No. No, his, his will was always aligned with the will of God. What he did was always in line with what God wanted him to do. And notice what he says, I've not spoken of myself. In fact, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. You know what he's saying? I'm the prophet. I'm the prophet that God spoke to Moses about, saying, Of your brethren, I'm going to raise up a prophet like unto you, and I'm going to put my words in his mouth. That's what he's saying. He's put his words in my mouth, and I'm speaking to you. And those things are what? They're commands. They have authority. How do we know Jesus had this authority? John 14, people were skeptical about Jesus when he was on the earth. John 14, this speaking to his disciples, he said, Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me, 
does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Jesus said, if you don't believe me because of what I'm saying, or you're getting confused about whether or not I'm saying these things in my own authority, I'm not. I'm speaking these things in accordance to the authority of God, and if you don't believe me for what I'm saying, believe me because of what I'm doing. Well, what do you mean by that? It means judge my works. That's what it means. Look at my works. Look at what I'm doing and make a judgment, make a discernment about what I'm saying. We even see this with a blind man in John chapter 9, verse 31. This blind man said this, Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. What's his logic? His logic is this. If this man was a blasphemer, like you're accusing him of, then why is God working through him? That makes no sense. Why would God give someone power to perform miracles, to calm the sea with his voice, to raise the dead? Why would God give a man power to open the eyes of the blind and to heal the lame and to heal someone who was born with an issue of blood? Or not born with the issue of blood, but had an issue of blood for years and years. Why would God do that if he was a liar? That makes no sense. God's not going to approve of someone who is lying. And you know what that tells us? Everything that Jesus said and did was true. He was sent from the Father. And that means every word that he spoke was right with authority. And I'll tell you what proves Jesus' authority more than anything, and that's the empty tomb. Romans chapter 1, 3, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which John will talk to us about next week, Lord willing. Jesus Christ, our Lord, our ruler, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, now notice, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. I'll tell you, my faith rests in the fact the tomb was and is empty. That's where my faith is. If they found the body, we're wasting our time. But it's not there. Jesus is alive, and he's ascended, and he's exalted. He is king today. He has all power and all authority, and everything that he said is true. And I'll tell you, this is, this is sometimes where we get really confused because we say, well, yeah, I get, I get all that, and that's, that's why I pay really close attention to the words in red. And, and I'll tell you something, pay really close attention to the words in red. They're important. But, but is that all that's authoritative in the New Testament, just the words in red? No. How do we know that? John chapter 14, 25. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. This is Jesus talking to his apostles. He said, I've spoken these things, being in your presence. But the Comforter, verse 26, which is the Holy Ghost, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. I want you to notice this. In my name, whose name? The name of Jesus. Who's he connect that with? The Holy Spirit. Who the Father will send under my authority and on my behalf. Wow. To do what? To put my words in your mouth. That's why. To move you so that you'll be able to teach and to remember and to say and to speak. Notice John 16, 13. Similarly. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, notice he will guide you into all truth. Now notice, he will not speak of his own authority, 
The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, part of the Godhead, will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. No one speaks by God's authority without it coming from God. It's not different. It is in line with Him, with His truth, with His will. He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, Jesus says, for He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that He will take of mine and declare it to you. So here's what Jesus is saying. The Holy Spirit's going to come under my authority and on my behalf, and He's going to take what is mine and give it to you. And the reason I'm telling you it's mine is because the Father gave it to me. He gave it to me, so it's mine. And I give it to him, and he gives it to you, so that you can do what? What's the point of all this? It's a passing down of authority. Did they have the same type of authority? No. They, they weren't given all power in heaven and earth. But the words that they spoke are authoritative. Just as much as the words of Jesus now notice what Jesus said in John 20. Then Jesus said to them, Peace be unto you, as my Father sent me, even so I send you. What's he mean by that? Send you to do what? Now notice, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. All this is connected. Just as God sent me, I'm going to send you. You're going to be my spokesman, my ambassadors. And he breathed on them. Well, that seems kind of strange, doesn't it? You ever had somebody breathe on you? It's a little awkward, a little weird. <laughs> Why would Jesus breathe on them? Well, it's symbolic of something, him breathing on them. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Breathed on them and said, what? Receive you the Holy Ghost. What was the Holy Ghost supposed to do? To remind them of all things. To teach them of everything that was Jesus's. To declare unto them what was his. So how do you know the apostles actually had authority? Same way. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2, For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, he's talking about the law of Moses. If the law of Moses proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? I want to ask you a question. Who wrote the words in red? Who wrote them? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Who were they? Jesus' ambassadors. With what authority? The authority given to them by God the Father through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. They wrote the words in red, but they wrote a lot of other things too. And those things have authority. And God bore them witness. He said, I approve of thee. Just as Jesus was approved of by God, God approved of the apostles. God bore them witness both with signs and wonders and with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. He said, these men have my approval. Paul even speaks of his authority in 2 Corinthians 13, 10, when he says, therefore I write these things, being absent, lest being present, I should use sharpness according to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification and not for destruction. I'll tell you why a lot of times we're resistant to authority, because a lot of times authority wants to destroy us, right? Or at least we think it does a lot of times. We may convince ourselves that it does. And so we say, well, well I don't want anybody to have authority over me because I want to do what I want to do. I want to have control of my own life. I want to have the authority. I want to do what I desire to do. You know what Paul said? He said, there's been authority that's been given to me as an apostle. And that's not for your destruction. That's for your edification, for your building up, to make you stronger, to make you steadfast in the Lord, to make you closer to God. 
to help you gain patience and strength and temperance and godliness. To help you root sin out of your life. That's why God gave us this authority to guide you to follow His will. Because that's the purpose of Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now I told you we'd come back to this. You know what the phrase inspiration of God literally means? It means breathed out by God. You know what Jesus did? He walked up to His apostles and He breathed on them. And He said, receive the Holy Spirit. What was He trying to get across to them? Inspiration. These men were inspired. They were moved by God. And all Scripture is breathed out by God. And it's profitable. Notice, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I told you earlier, Jesus speaks to us. In the old times, in the Old Testament, in time past, we see that God spoke to the people sometimes directly, or in visions and dreams, and at other times God spoke or, or had them write down things that were, they were directed to write down or say through the Holy Ghost. And those were prophets. They were, they were men uh, that were sent by God. In these last days, God, through Christ, through the Holy Spirit, through the apostles and prophets, have given us the written Word of God. So you know what this is? When you read the written Word of God, that is God speaking to you. That's what it is. God speaking to you. And I'll tell you, it has all authority. He who hears you, hears me. He who hears you, or he who rejects you, rather, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. We're really pressing on this for a purpose. Because I think everybody in here is here because you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. I think you believe that he is at the right hand of God, that he's exalted. I think you recognize that God's given him all authority, but what does that mean? That means what, that when I read God's Word and I read the things that are in the New Testament, that I must do them, that I must follow them. And when I read something that maybe Paul or Peter or one of the other apostles write, and I say, well, yeah, I don't really like that, and I reject that. Here's what Jesus says. When they reject you, they're rejecting me, and when they reject me, they're rejecting God. Why? Because I chose you, and I sent you, and I gave you authority, and I guided you. So the words of the New Testament, they are the exhibition, if you will, the demonstration of God's and Christ's authority for us. And they're an authority on salvation, Galatians 1, 8, 9. But even if we, even if we, the apostles, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you've received, let him be accursed. This is why authority is important. Because if someone preaches a different gospel than the apostles preached, than what they demonstrated in the book of Acts, if anybody preaches a different method for being saved, you know what he says? Let him be accursed. What does that mean? You reject that person. You remove them from you. They are not sent by God. Paul said, even if one of the apostles who was sent by God preaches a different gospel, you accurse them too. I bet if an angel came down in this building right now, in all of its majesty and glory, and the light was shining brightly, we would all cower in fear. And then we would wait patiently for him to give us a message. And some of us might listen, but I'll tell you, if it was different than what we've read in Scripture, what's he say? Reject him. You know why? Because even Satan can transform himself into an angel of light. You don't think he can transform himself into a preacher? He has, and he is, and he will. By what authority would you change the gospel? 
By what authority would you say baptism doesn't save us? By what authority would you do any of these things? And who gave you that authority? Authority matters. Authority in worship matters. 2 Thessalonians 2.15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or epistle. Notice he didn't say follow the traditions of men or follow the traditions that, that, that we decided were good. He says these are the traditions that we deliver to you, that you were taught by our word or our epistle. What's he mean by tradition? He means what you practice. Hold fast what you practice, what we've taught you to practice, because it's authoritative. 1 Corinthians 14, 37, If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. Well, who wrote this? It was Paul. Who's Paul? He's an apostle. He's an authoritative figure, been given authority by God. Again, I'm being repetitive, I know, but being given authority by God the Father through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, to him to write these things down. And so when we read the things that are written here by Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, someone might read, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it's not permitted unto them to speak, but they're commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they're to learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. And someone says, I don't like that. I don't like that. By what authority would you remove it? There's a lot of things I read in the New Testament I read and go, I don't like that. When I read, let your speech be with grace, always season with salt, a lot of times I go, I don't like that. <laughs> I just want to say what I'm thinking and say it how I want. God didn't ask us to like his commandments. You know what he said? These are my commandments. I have authority. I've directed you. John 8, 31, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This, this has been gravely taken out of context. We, we actually hear people use this to say, hey, look, just tell the truth. Because you know what they say about the truth? The truth will make you free. That's not what he's saying here. He's not talking about the truth as opposed to lying. He's saying the truth, objective truth, reality itself. Jesus is the truth. And when he talks about you will know the truth, he's not saying you'll know the truth like we use that phrase to, hey, just tell the truth. He's talking about objective truth. What is reality? Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21. Now the works of flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of the which I tell you beforehand, just as I've told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We do not have time to go through every one of these words, but I do want to point out a few things. One of the attacks, the greatest attacks that we've been seeing today in the world is the attack on God's holiness. If you don't believe that, your eyes are closed. God's holiness is under attack. The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, you know what fits in all three of these categories? Premarital sex, homosexuality, pornography. You know what the world says? That's just a choice. You know what we call it? Lifestyle. Lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Like, it's, like, it's a, like you wear a pink shirt, John, and I wear a purple shirt. It's just our style. It's a lifestyle. The works of the flesh are evident. By whose authority do we say those are a lifestyle? You know what Paul said? Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I tell you, you're going to be attacked if you defend God's holiness. You will. You'll be attacked. 
Someone's going to call you judgmental. Let them. Let them. And I'll tell you why. Because this is God's authority. It's not my authority. I don't have authority. I can't tell you what's right or wrong based on my assessment and my judgment of the situation. But God can because he has all authority. And when Paul says they will not go to heaven, I'm not telling you to go tell people you're not going to go to heaven. What I'm telling you is this is the truth and we can't change it. Even if we don't like it, culture does not define ethics and morality. God does. Jesus does. The apostles do. And he said, these things are evident. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, fightings, jealousies. I'll tell you this one right Here's a big one. Envy. Envy. He says, those that live in envy will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those that are drunks. I can drink if I want to. You're right. You can drink if you want to. But you can't be a drunk and please God. By what authority? By God's authority. And how can we change? This is not an exhaustive list, by the way. And I know this is hard to hear. But I'll tell you what we got to quit doing. we got to quit apologizing for God's word. we got to quit apologizing for God's holiness. God doesn't need us to apologize for him. He delivered his will to the people. And I'll tell you, if... We preached like the apostles preached. People would hate us because they hated them. They stoned Paul. They beat Paul. They threw him outside the city and thought he was dead. And you know what he did? He got up and he went to the next city and he preached God's holiness. And he preached Christ's righteousness. You know why? Because God sent him. And I want you to know something. God's sending you as a vessel, as a light. Not to take authority or grasp authority and not even with authority, but to tell the authority of God, to tell his message. God has exalted Jesus Christ, highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. You know, we don't think much about a name oftentimes. We just name whatever we think, you know, that sounds good. But I'll tell you, there's a lot in a name. And the name of Jesus is higher than every other name. And people can reject his authority today. But there's coming a day when every knee will bow and everyone will confess. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. You can do it voluntarily now or you can do it involuntarily when you meet him. But every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. I want to end where we started. Because this is one of the phrases we saw in Deuteronomy 18. Whoever will not listen, he said, to that prophet... What did Jesus say? John 12. Jesus said, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I've spoken will judge him in the last day. If you hadn't listened to anything today, I want you to listen real closely to this. How well do you know what's in this book? I'll tell you, if you're going to be a mechanic, you better have a good manual, especially today. All the different codes and everything you have to look up. and People say, oh, they just plug in their computer. Nathan Jones, my cousin, is a mechanic. Trust me, he doesn't just plug in his computer. He's, he's talking to me all the time about the stuff he has to do. And he's lucky to have a good manual. If I have something wrong with my car, you know what I do? I call him. I say, I can't figure out what's going on. He'll say, let me look it up. Sometimes it takes him 30 minutes or an hour, but he knows his stuff. And he can help me fix my car. You ask Brother Franklin, how important is it is that you know Texas law? How hard is the bar exam? You just walk in there and take the exam and they go, great, here's your law license, get after it. No, you got to study it, you got to know it. Why? Because that's the standard. How well do you know this book? 
Because I'll tell you, it's more important that you know what's in this book than you know what Texas law is. Because one day, we're all going to stand before Jesus Christ. And every one of us, our life is going to be judged by his words. You know why? Because he has authority. And when you stand that day, you'll stand before Jesus. And you'll have no excuse. Every one of us has access to the Bible. Every one of us can know and understand what God's will is for us. And I'll tell you, this is life and death. It's the most important thing that we know and understand the authority of Christ and recognize it. Friends, today, if you have not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, you'll be judged by his word. Why would you put your soul in danger? If you know what you need to do to be right with God, make your soul right with God today. Come to him and submit your life to him. Maybe you've not been living according to the authority of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been rejecting that authority. I'll tell you, as long as you're breathing, you've got time to change that. And he wants you to change that. He's not going to push you away. Anytime we come to God in humility and say, I've done wrong. I want you to forgive me. I need you to forgive me. You know what he'll do? He'll open his arms and he'll receive us just like we read about Luke chapter 15. He'll celebrate that. Angels in heaven will rejoice when we submit to his authority. If there be one of either class, come have a seat as we stand and we sing.